0: The following is a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management. (laughs)
1: It's time for Business Sense Radio with your host, Edward King. Each week, Edward has a conversation with an interesting guest discussing the issues of the day. Now let's check in with Edward to hear about today's program. Yeah, thank you very much, Mark. Today, we have a very interesting guest. We're going to do a inquisitive interview with a woman who is running for state assembly in the state of California in District 30. And her name is... Vicki Norton. Now, you might have heard Vicki's name before because she did run for state senate in 2020 and lost in a very close race against the current person who is in there. And District 30 is um, a big district. It covers three major counties. And so we want to dig into the details with her. And I'm just going to start out by saying, Vicki, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here today and talk to your listeners, and they can learn a little bit about us and our campaign. And I'm looking forward to it.
1: Well, good. Well, you're here now, so uh, no guns here. So why don't we first start talking about what's the the size of the district 30? Because it's kind of is it a new district? It was. It's
2: a brand new district. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it covers three counties, but not all. The fullness of every county. Mm-hmm. Um, it covers Monterey County, where we are today here in Monterey County, beautiful Monterey County. Um, and it covers mostly the peninsula cities. We don't have the Salinas Valley area in our district for Monterey. And it includes San Luis Obispo County, a very large county. The majority of San Luis Obispo County, except it excluded Napomo and down by the Santa Maria area. Mm -hmm. So it's a brand new district, um, Ed, and what's interesting about this district is before it went south into Santa Barbara, and when they redistricted it, they took it north, which included the Monterey area now, San Luis Obispo Monterey, and a portion of Santa Cruz. From the Yacht Harbor south, we have Capitola would be the largest city Mm -hmm. in my district, um, you know, coming towards Moss Landing, that area, uh, Soquel, Aptos, Live Oak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it so, is called the Central Coast. Very beautiful district.
1: Right. So, it includes like Big Sur.
2: Oh, yes. Excuse okay. me. Big because Sur. there's
1: a big population of about 12 yeah. people that live there. No, no it's
2: beautiful. <clears throat> big Sur. We can't forget Big Sur. No.
1: Now, what's the population in that district?
2: Well, the, the voting population is about 305,000 people. I think it used to be about 308,000. We've lost people. People have been leaving California.
1: (coughs) Really? Okay. So you're right. The total population is 509 in that area. And the medium age is 40. The medium household income is 86,000. And uh, it's a very diverse demographics, too, as far as people's heritage,
2: Yes, it is, because we have the agricultural end also down in Mm -hmm. the San Luis Obispo area, and you know Monterey County itself also is very agricultural. And then we've got Santa Cruz, and we've got the tech industry and so forth headed up that way. So it is very diversified. The whole district, different. Right. Yes. We have a lot of water and power, too.
1: uh, We we wish we had more, actually.
2: (laughs) I'm happy that we have electricity today.
1: Yeah. Now, one of the things that I've noticed is when I talk with people, they don't always understand the difference between the state Senate and the state assembly. Now, you know, there's some facts about it. There's 40 state senators. There's 80 assembly members. Correct. Um, in terms of the the new law that came in into the 90s or something where you have a these people, this legislative group, have a limit of 12 years, which can be a combination of both Senate and assembly work. Um, what would you say is the core function of the assembly, as opposed to the core function of the Senate, or is there any real difference there?
2: Well, that's a good question. Actually, um, the the assembly we have more representatives in the mm-hmm. state assembly, so our districts are smaller to begin with. The, the Senate districts are larger, population wise and, sure. and county wise. So people might not know that. So that isn't that's a fact as mm-hmm. well. So, we have 80 Assembly members, and then you have the 40 Senate that you mentioned. Yeah. And so, they work together, actually. You know, they uh, bills are created or brought to the floor, and it depends. It goes from the Assembly to the Senate, from the Senate to the Assembly, until they get an agreement and a vote, and mm-hmm. they pass it, and it heads to the governor. So, the Senate um, is a four-year term, and the Assembly is a two-year term.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. right. So, we
2: have... So we have more of a turnover, uh, you might think, in regards to uh, the assembly districts. And with the redistricting that we just had, some of the people who were sitting incumbents are no longer, uh, they either decided to run or not to run, Mm -hmm. but their district changed. And and so we'll see a lot of transition in this legislature, I believe, with that this time around.
1: Right. Right. Coming up in November.
2: Coming up in November, yes. Uh Now,
1: early voting starts
2: when? Uh, I think they will. Ballots will be mailed out about the seventh of October, so people will be able to vote once they get their ballots. They can fill them out and mail them back in, and of course, that will take us up till November eighth, which is the actual election day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And going back to the Senate, the Assembly. What we've got though is like an Assembly member makes about one hundred and fourteen thousand a year. According to what I looked up, where on the other hand, state senators are making two hundred eighty-three thousand. Um, so they're—it's kind of like the gold pot that they're going after as far as the good paycheck. But um, unlike this in DC, where <clears throat> the House of Representative is supposedly more down to earth and in amongst the people, and this. Senate is just two per state, so they re- the representative activity is different. Is that still true with our Assembly and our Senate, or what is the, you know, the boots-on-the-ground mindset of Assembly people?
2: Well, I think it's a two-year term, Ed, um, as we mentioned, and I think that you're out amongst the people a lot more. You've mm-hmm. got to campaign more. You've got to be out there talking to people. It's like right now um, – the legislature in the state of California is on break. They uh, took a break beginning uh, August 31st. I think they actually worked past that into the beginning of the morning of September 1st. And now they will not be back in session until the beginning of January. So right now, they're all out in their districts. And mm-hmm. that's what we should be doing. And we should be listening. And actually, and that's the problem. Uh, the, the legislature has not been listening to the people. They are very agenda-driven, very imbalanced in what's been happening uh, up there in the legislature in the state of California. And I think the people are deciding we're not just going to keep doing the same old thing again. We need some change up there.
1: Well, I sure hope so.
2: Yeah, there's there's a great imbalance in our legislature up there, Ed. I mean, just just a one party ruling structure that is really not representing the people. And I think that's, you know, your point about, you know, the legislature for the assembly or the Senate being out there, we need to be out amongst our districts mm-hmm. and, you know, listening to the people. And unfortunately, uh, you know, I, I watched some of those Senate and assembly hearings while they're live uh, and they're not listening to the people. And one, um, uh, legislator swore at the people because he didn't like how they were asking or presenting a bill, uh, talking about a bill that they did not want to pass, and they were opposing it. And, I mean, it was, it was terrible. I just thought, how disrespectful to the people. You are represented the people. You better get used to listening to them.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if I was to say one thing to the voters that are out there, take a look at how the condition of California is. You know, are we happy with electrical shortages? Are we happy with high taxation? Are we happy with the homelessness? Are we happy with a number of issues you and I will dig into later? Education. Right. And I would definitely say the normal voter will definitely say no, that they're not happy with where it is. And so there's an old saying, country saying, is if you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. And what we've been doing is we've been digging our hole here because we keep re-electing the same party over and over and over again. And when you have a supermajority, you're only going to have one voice in the entire uh, legislative process. And then when you've got the governor on the same page, you know, there's – and the bureaucrats literally peppered with the same mindset, I don't see a big change f- – Coming for California, unless there's a sweeping change in the legislative
2: bodies. Yeah, that's known as a trifecta government when they um, have the supermajority in the Senate, the Assembly, and then, you know, our executive branch of the government. And unfortunately, it's not a representation of our districts Mm -hmm. or the people. You know, we have 58 counties here and they are diverse from the north to the south and very different, um, you know, being the fifth largest economy. Uh, we just we need to be more focused on supporting our businesses uh, throughout the state of California. The water, the power that you talked about, education is a is a very uh, important topic, I guess out there today, but not only that, but how are we educating our children for the future? And I think parents are, are looking at that right now. We have a lot of people who are running for school board that have gotten engaged and really going back to a few things that you said, Ed, um, I think it's time to take the label off of politics. And if we can do that, if we can begin as leadership and thinking that way in California, maybe we can change a nation. Mm-hmm. If we keep looking at uh, party politics, it's, it's not really benefiting the people. If you take the D or the R or the I or whatever a letter you have uh, if you look at who's running, why they're running, what what is the focus? are they focused on representing the people, or do they have an agenda? and I would like the people to know i don't have an agenda. My mantra is it's time to take the label off of politics. And it's time for a leader who listens.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's very good. And I appreciate that because just last week in our radio program, I had made a comment about we should stop looking at left versus right. Yes. And instead, what we should be doing is looking up versus down. So are we getting better in California or are we getting worse in California? That's the up or down conversation. I think we're getting better,
2: Ed. Actually, I Which do. Which part
1: of California?
2: Um, I think if we're willing to listen to each other and we're willing to hear what people are concerned about and be open, not just putting up a wall of our own um, opinion of how we think about it, but listening and then deciding how are we going to work on these issues together? I'll just mention this. I, had uh, coffee with a really wonderful lady I met when I ran in 2020, and she has a D behind her name. Uh, she uh, was a former mayor of a city, and we sat and talked for about an hour and a half. And she just turned to me, and uh, she just said, "Vicky, I so appreciate you. We've talked for over an hour and a half, and there wasn't anything we didn't agree on, anything we couldn't work together on, And that's what I want the people to know. This is how we're going to get things done. Mm -hmm. I served um, almost two terms on the civil grand jury. I came on as an alternate, so that's why I didn't serve a full term the first time. And we worked on issues uh, on committees and on issues regarding our county and what was happening there. Um, We didn't talk politics. We were concerned about the things that the people were concerned about. And that was our focus. And I think if we can begin to work together to do that we can solve problems instead of creating more of them. Oh, that's good. Now, since you're on
1: that subject, why don't you tell us more about your background, who you are? Sure. You're a resident of where and go for it. Tell Thank me you. tell Thank me all you. I, about it.
2: Yeah, my husband and I live right here in Monterey County. Um his family is fifth generation out of Santa Cruz uh, county area. I've lived in California for over 40 years. Uh, We raised our children here. Um, My business background was selling real estate here in this beautiful Carmel, Monterey Peninsula area. Sold one business one time, mostly worked in residential, Mm -hmm. uh, then I got married, had kids, and uh, just got busy with that. But I didn't stop working in my community. I kept doing, uh, whether I worked with the school or I worked with the chief of children police and the juvenile justice system. I worked as a CASA, which if people don't know who that is, that is a court appointed special advocate for children advocating for them. Um, I worked on the campuses. I brought an anti-bullying program to the campus over in Carmel. Um, worked with the mental health background um so i've I've been pretty involved in my community mm-hmm. as a servant to the mm-hmm. community
1: <clears throat> what what would you what would be your takeaway when you were helping and representing juveniles going through the court system right mm-hmm. that's what you were an advocate for. What would be your number one takeaway from that experience?
2: Well, uh, I work to reunite families. And, you know, bring them back together Mm -hmm. through the healing process of counseling and just I had education rights of the children. I was making decisions for them at Mm -hmm. their education level. So there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. So my takeaway is if we can uh, get the families working together, um, sometimes that's the hard part when Mm -hmm. you have perhaps a divorced family or things like that where children are uh, we can't forget about the children, right? And they get sort of in the middle of it. So you want to bring that restoration and hope for that family to be healed and united together. So what did I see in the juvenile justice system? Um, I see a lot of pain, really. Um, I, I see a, a, a process that nobody really wants to be going through.
1: Mm -hmm. So if I was to wrap that up into a neat little package, what it sounds to me is that you've had real world experiences and understand the needs of the people in the community because you've been in amongst it, as opposed to you have not been raised in a legacy of politicians. You know, you're not the fifth generation politician you're a person who has lived the life that our voters are living yes so you so you understand people's needs
2: yeah and i want to add this ed that i worked a lot with mental health um i worked with families who uh kids were uh they're it's called the 5150 where uh, they're suicidal and that that is a real hard process uh working through that but I would be the person they would want to talk to. They didn't want to talk to their family. They wanted to talk to me. Mm-hmm. So I would go down to the hospital many times and work with them, get them calmed down. Um, so we have had some wonderful successes where uh, some have attempted to uh, commit suicide. And we uh, I was able to work with them and their family. And they still call me today. And yeah. I'm very thankful for that. So mental health has been also part of uh, working with people that i i've worked with as well
1: so over the last two and a half years you've probably with firsthand knowledge have seen and the mental health issues that have come from the school lockdowns and in addition to that they're starting to pour into our k through 12 system a replacement of teaching math reading writing and cursive writing and they're replacing it with sex deviant education and it's coming from sacramento as well as it's coming from the teachers unions and other places like that how uh, where do you stand in these areas and how will you be able to fulfill that in when you're in the assembly i mean it's great that you might you have your own feelings which are what specifically?
2: Yeah, I think not only do I have my own feelings, but I think I probably align with a lot of parents out there. Mm-hmm. Um, parents are concerned that their rights are being taken away from them for their own children. Mm-hmm. I guess the question would be, whose children are these? And they do. They these they are the parents, and and this is one thing I'm seeing with the education end of it is these uh, bills that are being passed in the legislature, coming down from Sacramento, are—they're taking away the parents' rights, and I'm very concerned, along with many parents that I've spoken with across our district, in regards to uh, their children being able to, uh, you know, have perhaps hormone therapy, leave the campus, and or even be on antidepressants and and they don't have to tell the parents. That's very very concerning. When you have a child who's coming home and all of a sudden you have uh, some sort of behavior that you haven't seen and you're wondering what's going on, but the child has been told they don't have to tell their parent. And mm-hmm. and I think that's what concerns me greatly is when you start undermining parents authorities. Authority with their children. What kind of a society are you going to have out there? Where's the respect going to be in in how, you know, we have authority. And when you take away the authority and the respect of the parents, undermining it with the children, what kind of community are we going to have in the future?
1: Mm -hmm. So what are you going to be able to do when you get elected this November and go to Sacramento?
2: When I get elected, I'm going to represent the people. Mm-hmm. So when we go up there, education is what we've started talking about here. They have been passing a lot of bills to take away parents' rights, as we mentioned, whether it's you know, the medical uh, you know the vaccinations or the hormone therapy. I think those are two things right now um, that are very big on the minds of parents, which is what we've seen a real movement. Uh, of people uh, running for school board, mm-hmm. um, just signing up to run for school board it 's not so much that they they want to you know get out there and be on the school board as much as they want their voice to be heard, and I think that's that 's the reason i 'm running for state assembly is because i I feel that the people are not being heard
1: okay, so your number one stance right now is you 're here to defend and represent parents.
2: I am. Yes, I am. To
1: defend the children that are in the current public school systems. Yes. And that would be defend them against uh, critical race theory. Yeah, I do not
2: support the critical race theory at all. I think that... What
1: about pornographic books in the school library?
2: Absolutely not. I I think think. that we have got to get this out of our school. This is not why we are sending our children to school. We're sending them to be educated. I was listening to um, Lance Christensen yesterday. He's running for the, um, uh, the... I always that title the superintendent of public instruction, which is over all the education for the state of California. And he was saying that we are now rated 50 out of 50 states for literacy for our kids and our, our kids who are in fifth grade are in eighth grade are reading at fifth grade level. And, um, just the money that we continue to put towards education and the outcome that we're getting, um, is not the expectation parents have when they send their kids to school, and so when you send them to school and you start teaching them um, indoctrination instead of education, uh, we got something wrong here.
1: Well, we certainly do, because just three years ago, state of California was number forty-seven, and now we're, we're beating up on Mississippi and Louisiana that has zero education, I know. and and they're better educated than us, and that's really sad. But that we're, is
2: really sad. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to say, Ad, it is, Ad, it is really sad because what are what are we really investing in with all of that money that's going into the budget in California for it's about twenty three thousand dollars a year annually for one student, and so you have about twenty five students in a room. You've got about six hundred and some thousand annually invested in that classroom, and what is the outcome? Fifty out of fifty. I think we can do a lot better. The one thing about California is, and our governor uh, always wants to be first and lead the nation, as California goes, so goes the nation. Well, I think we should start right there. We should start with education right now.
1: Good. So we need to take a break. So we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. You're listening to Business Sense Radio, and we will be right back. Business owners, do you want to build a successful business? Invest in your most valuable asset, your staff. Alliance Career Training Solutions solve your staff training needs. Employees need to be successful for you to be successful. At Alliance Career Training, we provide professional, hands-on training classes, including Excel, Word, business writing, Outlook, and sexual harassment as required by law. Ask about our custom classes for your team. Call 755-8200 or visit us at Alliancetrains.com.
0: You want your property to be protected from break-ins, vandalism, and loitering, yet guards and patrol services are expensive. ATG Protect by Alvarez Technology Group is the perfect affordable solution. ATG Protect is a video surveillance solution with cameras powered by artificial intelligence and backed by live guards who can intervene and scare off unwanted intruders and even call first responders when needed. ATG Protect gives you peace of mind and keeps you safe, secure, and successful. Contact Alvarez Technology Group at 831-753-7677. Or on the web at alvareztg.com. dot com. Well, thank you. We're back, and we are
1: having a wonderful conversation for with uh, Vicky. She is running for District Thirty State Assembly, and I'm glad you're listening in because it's important for you as a voter to understand who you're voting for, and what they stand for, so that you know your vote is worth spending on an individual. Now, we just finished talking about education, and it's it's really pathetic in California, considering in the 70s, California was the number one state. So that might sound like a long time ago to people, but in reality, that's a long slide that's been consistent year after year after year, and it's it's because of where our political base has gone. It's not to the benefit of our children. But let's move on to another subject. And you're, you're off to Sacramento as soon as you get elected, and I hope that everybody that's listening puts their vote in for you. Now, California, the economy of California, is ranked fifth if it was an independent country across the world. And yet, California is known right now as one of the worst places in the state in the United States to do business, and it's ranked 49 out of 50 in the cost of living. Now that doesn't bode well because again, we used to be the Sunshine State. I mean, this was the state everybody wanted to come for opportunity, for clean living for beaches, for the sun, with the Golden State.
2: The Golden State, yes.
1: And I don't think it's very golden anymore um, it, because even the Golden Hills are black with f- from fires. So w- what do you think that you can do when you get into the Assembly? Obviously, you you can't you know, see money from heaven. There's no manna from heaven that exists and there's no money trees. And we are spending ourselves into a great debt that the state of California is passing on to your grandchildren as the federal government is. But what kind of pathway can we create for businesses that would inspire businesses to stay or move to California where right now we're experiencing big businesses, small businesses and families leaving California.
2: It's taxation,
1: it's regulation. What is your take on that?
2: Absolutely, everything that you just said. Well, economically, we have families who are leaving the state of California because with COVID, um, we found out that a lot of people could work at home. That's what happened. So a lot of people began to work at home or they could work from any place And so they decided they could move out of the state of California and have a better quality of life, a better quality education for their children um, economically, much more affordable. And so they have left. And as you Mm -hmm. mentioned, many businesses have left, large businesses. You have, well, Tesla, that was pretty testing Tesla during the COVID. Uh, Tesla left and we had, um, oh, I'm just trying to think right now.
1: Uh, there was a bunch
2: yeah i know yeah. i'm I, they're just my my mind just went blank but uh large corporations that have left when you have a non-friendly business environment more regulations more taxes and then you know the people who make the million dollars we want to tax them more and those people who make more than that we want to tax them more and why don't we rein in our spending instead of you know, taxing the people more and more. And why don't we get responsible with our infrastructure and the things that really need, we need to put money in for the future instead of coming up with some grand ideas and goals, but no real plan to get there. And so our businesses are... You know, they're looking at the bottom line and um, and then they're changing all kinds of labor laws and driving out our independent contractors as well. So mm-hmm. it's not a very business friendly environment, and unfortunately, you know you still have to pay the rent. and uh, people are having a hard time right now, small businesses especially.
1: And you're very correct about that because um, the problem about strangling businesses, is that so many people who are receiving benefits from state and federal entities um, just think that there's nonstop money out there. Now, the reality is what creates money, what creates an economy is a healthy business environment. Yes. And there are so many pieces of this puzzle that are against businesses Now, there was one recent uh, ruling, a new law that's come out, and that is for people who have private wells. And so when you don't live in a city where you have city services and you live out in the country, which many people do, you have to have your own well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's your water, your well. You paid for the pump. You maintain it. And now the government, state of California, has found a way to actually— tax that and charge people, because they're forced to pay $300 to get a a license, a permit to to have a well, Then they're charged uh, to buy a meter. They have to put a meter on it, and then they're going to be paying a tax on the water that they pull from their land. What do you think about that? Is that that promoting a good future for California? Because that's just one piece. I mean, the other big pieces that you and I are facing is you know electric vehicles i think electric vehicles are fine i don't own one but i have many friends that do sure
2: i do too and
1: you know in 4 years the constrictions are coming into play with a complete 100% by 2035 where they'll car dealers will no longer be able to sell anything but electric vehicles and in addition to that I believe that there is a move that many of the current car dealerships will have to close, which means the people that work there will lose their jobs. The tax revenue, that's a huge tax revenue to the counties and cities because automobile sales tax. Sure. People don't think, it seems to me that Sacramento doesn't think of the ramifications of the actions of which they take.
2: And, and Ed, that's really true, and that's really been a part of uh, talking to people about, you know, really my platform and looking at it is mm-hmm. because they keep passing these bills. By the way, to your listeners, there were two th- over 2,000 new bills that were introduced at the beginning of this year's legislative session. 2,000. Do you need 2,000 new rules? But So Sacramento has been sending out a message of one size fits all, and it doesn't. We have different you know, 58 counties. So it can't be the same everywhere. And I think we need more local control. We need to uh, send it back to our local communities to make decisions. And that's a housing conversation we'll head Mm -hmm. into probably at some point. But I want to go back to power and water (laughs) because you were talking about our electric, you know, when you start with all the things that are happening on our grid right now, it is not sustainable. The infrastructure is not in place for all those electric vehicles that you had mentioned. And as a matter of fact, um, in in our district, we have a lot of um, power and energy here. Uh, To the listeners who may not know this district, we have uh, the Diablo um, Canyon Nuclear Power Plant, Mm -hmm. which is kind of in process of... Keeping it open for an additional five years. I guess we're waiting to hear back from the federal government if they're going to get involved financially in helping with that. I haven't. I haven't heard. We we'll probably get an update soon. So we have the nuclear power plant, and then we also have uh, over at Moss Landing, we have the battery storage, uh, the largest battery storage uh, renewable
1: mm-hmm. battery
2: storage over there. They're talking about also uh, that same company. Uh, putting a battery storage in in the Morro Bay area and then of course the wind farm so we have a lot of energy in our district it's it's very important that we do keep that Diablo Canyon open uh because we are not ready to transition into full electric uh electrification in our state of California that they're pushing towards i think that we need to think bigger picture like you had mentioned it's always the unintended consequences that we face it's like they create a problem and then it becomes a crisis and then they're looking for a solution that if they would have just pulled back and and looked a little more i always say whiteboard mm-hmm. look look not just to put a band-aid on it but how do we bring solutions that are going to be lasting for the future and it takes time to do that ed we're not we're not ready um, I understand that up in the San Jose Cupertino area, they were unplugged for a while, uh, power-wise, right. and they were not very happy about that. And you know, going back to small businesses and people working at home, um, you know, that that's not going to be working out too well.
1: No. And, you know, this 2035 is an, an imposing deadline because one of the details that came from my research on that is that we need to install 40 million more charging stations to support that 2035 conversion, especially considering right now there's only about 2% of the vehicles on the road, 2 to 3% that are electric right now. And when we make that transition, there are so many um, barriers. I mean, just w- where do people that live in high-rise apartments put their charging station? Because you have to keep them outside because they tend to catch fire. So you, you've mm-hmm. got eight, seven, six thousand 6,000 people living in a high-rise tower, and where are they going to park their cars? Right. Are they going to all have to walk?
2: But yeah, now that's thinking things through, Ed.
1: <laughs> I always make that yeah, mistake. No,
2: no, that's that's called thinking it through. And um, I think what they're what they'd really like with the housing situation is that we have more less vehicles on the road. Mm-hmm. And I think in the transition, and I, I, as your listeners might agree, is that the hybrid cars. Why don't we transition? And prepare our infrastructure, and if we want to, uh, you know, come to that place of uh, carbon neutrality, uh, how are we really going to get there? Let's have a plan. So I don't know what's wrong with the hybrid cars. I mean, they just totally want to do away with uh, gasoline fuel, um, and we're not. It's good. It's they're they're great goals. But we have to have a plan to get there. And I don't see Sacramento having a plan right now. And there are some legislators uh, who are up there who are pushing back and and saying, no, this is not not going to be effective.
1: Finally. Finally, yeah.
2: And I want to be one of those (coughs) who say, you know, we need to let's just stop and think about this for a few minutes. And let's just take a bigger look at it. And uh, how are we going to get there? Not just pass a bill that says this is what we need to do because, you know, we need to get to that place, but we don't even have a plan to get there. And this is something I want to add to the listeners out there for California. Uh, the legislature proposed to uh, pass a um, a single-payer health care. Uh, earlier this year, it was called Assembly Bill 1400. And there was no mechanism of how much it was going to cost to To run this this new healthcare, single payer healthcare, you know CalCare in California, there was no plan, no legislative uh, an analysis of of what it was going to cost, even to put the infrastructure in place. But they just wanted to pass this bill, and these are the very things we're talking about. Ed, mm-hmm. e- e- there's no plan there. H- how are we, okay? So we pass this bill, then we're going to have single payer healthcare, but. You know, let's just think about how they have, uh, you know, run the DMV or the EDD or, I mean, government health care is not the answer, single payer health care for the state of California. And I would not have supported that bill. And I believe the author of that bill who was pushing it uh, decided he wasn't going to get enough votes and he decided at the last minute to pull it. But he basically was saying um i'm we're putting it on pause, so that means they're going to bring it back right. around in the new legislature, and I would not support that bill it, it it's just they've not even looked at how it's going to function, where's the infrastructure for it what is it going to cost uh some some uh some say that it's going to cost more than our entire budget um three hundred billion dollars and I think that we need to take time to really consider when you're making such a drastic change, how are we going to build that out for the future? And um, so those are things uh, that I will be looking at.
1: Okay. Now, we're changing the subject a little bit. Now, I don't know how much influence, the um, unless we get a big wave of new people in the Assembly and in the Senate, but I want to just briefly talk about the cost of housing. Now, some people blame homelessness on the cost of housing, and I'm just going to say, no, it's the mental health issues and drug addiction. You know, we're bringing in fentanyl like Amazon is pulling it across the border or just coming through on regular r- routes of transportation into every state of our country that's killing our people. That's the bottom Literally. line. So when they talk about homeless, I believe homeless is more associated with mental health and drug issues than it is anything else and the soft on crime. There's, it's a trifecta of the things that are affecting it. But just to give our listeners an example, I bought a house not too long ago. Brand new house, 1,900 square feet, three bedroom, two bath, two car garage, big piece of property. You compare to what we see here. And the monthly mortgage payment is seven hundred and fifty dollars. And that includes property tax and it includes so Where? It was just in Texas. Wow. Yeah, that's
2: amazing.
1: It's it's a norm you can buy price points for a bigger house because it was only nineteen hundred square feet, between two thirty seven and two ninety three hundred thousand. And it's the reason why people are moving out of California. Yeah.
2: And they're moving to Texas, by the way
1: and idaho and a bunch of other places and but but just to give you an example of the impact of of the burden that the state of california puts on i was talking to the at that time she was the president of the um board of realtors for the state of california and she was telling me that in san diego county for new houses new builds forty percent of the cost the retail selling price, has to do with regulations and tax burdens. So only 60% is actually the land and the building of the house. The other 40% goes straight to the coffers, which uh, we can all agree Sacramento is doing just the super job of spending their money wisely. I'm sure we're getting like 15 cents of value for every dollar that they spend. But let's go back and talk about the homeless issues in your district, does District Thirty have a homeless population that is burdensome, like the sixty-nine thousand the city of Los Angeles has? I mean, that's bigger.
2: Yeah, especially when you you talk to you know the mayors in their district and the city councils, they see the burden that's there. Um, they, I do believe that. Um, the services that we need need to begin to work together, Ed. I think if we could have more of a collaborative effort uh, in our areas, we could see a greater impact. Um, the The legislature um, in the budget, they're always pressing money towards the homeless situation. And you mentioned, you know, Putting them in homes and things like that, but we do have a drug problem. We do have a mental health problem. And they tried to pass a bill, push it uh, forward, a pilot program, really of safe injection sites. But that did not pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, the governor is not signing that. So the the concern with that is they say, well, then you know we'd have less overdoses, and we've had this problem. No, I think that. When you have a problem, you don't – if you have a fire, you don't keep adding fuel to the fire. Mm -hmm. And I think that the mental health issue we need to very much focus on. Now, the governor did uh, put together a bill. It's called uh, CalCourt. Have you heard about that? No. Yeah, care care court is what it's called, and it has to do with the uh, the mental health portion of uh, what we're what we have not been able to specifically address um, of getting uh, helping people who are not making that decision themselves and who are in in great need of of mental health help. Maybe they would hurt themselves or hurt someone else. Um, care court would then be able to really put them in a program
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and and help them. They so have to have a
1: live-in program where they're actually there.
2: Yeah. Yes. It would go before the courts. It would be a special jurisdiction within the courts um, a care court to help with the mental health situation where basically they're going to be making decisions for people. Now, there are people who support that uh, because they know that there's a need. And then there's people who are not really supporting that because they don't, like to take away people's rights, um, so I will see how that will unfold. We'll be, uh, you know, talking to uh, local district attorneys and law enforcement, and how how is that going to happen? It is a new it's a new program that's not. I don't think they really have a model in place. It's just an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see how that unfolds. But but going back to, you mentioned um, the mental health about our kids as well. And uh, that's something that they're now purposing to integrate into the education system where they're going to bring um, uh, medical facilities uh, to our campuses now. And, and the focus would be, uh, on mental health but then um, it would be uh, children would also be able to um, have mental have have medical services there and I think parents are a little concerned about some of that as well
1: well I think they're concerned because of the track record that the schools have right now where they have these teachers who are colluding with the children to hide their transition to another sex and so in essence there's clau where they can change their clothes. They can be a girl at home. They get dropped off at school. They go to the closet, turn into a boy. They're treated as a boy all day. The teacher, you know, shares with the child, don't tell your parents, we won't tell your parents. And then what I think the community is concerned about is as they transition the medical clinics into each of the schools, it's only going to make that process towards the chemical side towards the surgery side of these conversions and the problem is you've got a 10 year old a 12 year old making these adult decisions without the involvement of the parents and those clinics that are in the schools are going to make it a bridge straight into that
0: yeah
1: you're right Mm -hmm. and in essence the the parent will be the last to know but the one along with the child to suffer a lifetime
2: Exactly. Because
1: these doctors that are involved, they get paid really big by the pharmaceutical companies and through medical payments. They don't have to live with the results of what happens. And that's where the concern is. That's the reason why parents don't want to see these medical clinics. Now, I agree with you that mental health is a problem. And we're going to move on to another subject right after we take a quick break for our sponsors. You're listening to Business Sense
0: Radio, and we will be right back. You want your property to be protected from break-ins, vandalism, and loitering. Yet guards and patrol services are expensive. ATG Protect by Alvarez Technology Group is the perfect affordable solution. ATG Protect is a video surveillance solution with cameras powered by artificial intelligence and backed by live guards who can intervene and scare off unwanted intruders and even call first responders when needed. ATG Protect gives you peace of mind and keeps you safe, secure, and successful. Contact Alvarez Technology Group at 831-753-7677 or on the web at AlvarezTG.com. Business
1: owners, do you want to build a successful business? Invest in your most valuable asset, your staff. Alliance Career Training Solutions solve your staff training needs. Employees need to be successful for you to be successful. At Alliance Career Training, we provide professional, hands-on training classes including Excel, Word, business writing, Outlook, and sexual harassment as required by law. Ask about our custom classes for your team. Call 755 8200 or visit us at alliancetrains.com. Okay, so we're back with Vicki, and we're going to move into a subject that's near and dear to my heart. That's farmers. So, um, you know, farmers are, are struggling these days, and, and they're always the ones that carry the burden, and yet we don't recognize the value of food in our industries. I mean, you know, you and I had breakfast today i'm assuming and everybody just goes to the grocery store and thinks that's where the groceries come from well it's not they come from the fields and what's impacting farmers right now is we've got the subject of water The problem about water is the historical choices, the environmentalists at Sacramento who have cut off water, they have stopped damming up the water, you know, supplies, storage, 80%, 85% of the water that comes down in the state of California just goes out into the ocean. And if we made one little change and kept 5% more, we would never have a water shortage. It's not just the Lake Meads of the world we're talking about. In your district, it's Lake San Antonio, Lake Nacimeno, probably some other places that I don't even know about. Um, What can be done when you go to Sacramento to defend... And, and fight for water for our farmers included even in, you know, the, the San Joaquin Valley. I mean, Salinas Valley, San Joaquin Valley, all the way down to Santa Maria, another big uh, bread basket for growing fruits and vegetables. And one thing that I don't really like, which is Brussels sprouts. Maybe we could cut the water off for Brussels sprouts.
2: No, that would be your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> that is my There's opinion. There's a lot of people who love Brussels sprouts. But it's sprouts. my radio show, so I... <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I just want to stand up for the farmers uh, yeah, alongside please. of you. Um, I have spoken to the farmers in our district, and uh, one he considers himself, you know, a small farmer. He had a hundred acres, um, and he was very concerned about uh, first of all the supply and demand, but getting the fertilizer mm-hmm. that they needed for their crops, and not only that, but uh, the increase of the price of fertilizer. It is three times as much. And um, so they have a lot of rules and regulations and restrictions in, you know, uh, in farming, whether it's for the pesticides, you know, the fertilizer, the things that they need, and the water. Right, Water is the big concern. And you mentioned in our district, in Assembly District 30, we have Lake Nacimiento and Lake San Antonio. And my husband and I, uh, just this past Sunday, actually, we were down in that area because the uh, the maintenance on the infrastructure of uh, of our uh, reservoirs uh, needs. We need help. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there actually the spillway um, at Lake Nasimiento is one that there's a mandate that it has to get done quite soon. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's about a one and a half million dollar project. And so we went there to take a look at the spillway, to look at where, how, how full the lakes were. And, um, you know, it was pretty disappointing to see how low they are. Uh, But that water, they're talking about raising that spillway and that would, um, you know, help, uh, maintain more of that water that we do need. So mm-hmm. that's that's one of the solutions that they're looking forward to. Um, and that's also going to cause the uh, taxpayers to have a new tax burden as well. Um, and the farmers are very concerned about the water. And we uh, raised money on a proposition some years back for more reservoirs. And one of them is that Sites Reservoir. You've probably heard about that one in the north in Calusa County up there. Um, and we would like to see more uh, reservoirs uh, built for our state as well. We really need. We have a water problem, and you know we're in a drought right now. And if we would have saved that water that went out to the sea, uh, we might not be in uh, such restrictive water conditions no, that we are right be. now. Yeah, I
1: mean it's just fact. Yeah. You know, we, we have plenty of snow runoff, we have plenty of rain collectively over a ten year period, any ten years you want to pick, and we wouldn't be having these problems if we were more responsible.
2: Responsible in, in Sacramento. And have a vision for the future sure. instead of just and a
1: clean vision. There's yes. you can have clean water and manage wildlife and all of that and wildfires and all that together if you think with a broad minded, not a single focus laser. It, you know it's it's proven to be a false direction that we've been following now we're running out of time so what i want to do is this first off i'm going to recap for you your platform
2: okay thank you
1: so you are going to go to sacramento and support small business
2: absolutely you
1: are going to go to sacramento and do what you everything you can do increase affordable housing yes you with your history are keen on mental health issues And the value of mental health services, not just for our children, but for the people that are homeless in the streets. We didn't get a chance to talk about um, the current soft on crime policies that you believe are wrong. You want to restore safety to our community. But how can people reach you? Now, your website is electvicki.com.
2: Correct and mm-hmm. follow me on Facebook at Elect Vicky.
1: Okay, and what's important is to see her win. She needs your help. She needs your donations. She needs volunteers. What I need can, your votes
2: out there for our listeners across our good. district. I need your votes, right. um, and I, I want to say to our listeners too that we have people on both sides of the aisle who are supporting us, who mm-hmm. are hosting meet and greets. So. Uh, you know join us at one of those meet and greets if you want to host a meet and greet for me in your neighborhood i i'm not party specific i mean my name is vicki Norden, and i'm here to take the label off of politics perfect and it's electvicki.com supporter with your
1: funds supporter with your efforts and she is here for both republicans and democrats because she's here for our children and here for the people of our community thank you vicki
2: thank you so much for having me today
0: be sure to join us next week on this station at the same time for another edition of Business Sense Radio with Edward King.